So thanks for telling me you're going to be on holiday this week, by the way. <laughs> I didn't plan this very well. <laughs> it has to be said, it's not been a popular announcement to make within my marital relationship either. <laughs> <laughs> that I, 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 see, no, it's one of those things where there was a slight communication breakdown because I just thought we were going away for a couple of days. I didn't realise it was a week's holiday. Oh, right. You didn't realise how long it was going to be. I always think the secret of a, a good marriage is communication. So that's going, <laughs> that's going tremendously well. So where are you, you swine? What a great week to be off. I'm in Norfolk. Oh, no. I know. I oh. went to Lake and Heath RSPB oh, bird reserve quiet. yesterday. What did you see? Uh, not quite good, actually, because all the birds were knackered and yeah, hot. Yeah, they're all hiding They're all on now, siesta. Yeah. Well, shall we? Shall we? Okay. I mean, we haven't prepared. We haven't gone through anything. We haven't spoken. Shall we just do this? You make that sound as though that's unusual. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, everybody, to episode 78. Of the Mid Faith Crisis podcast. My name is Nick Page. I'm joined very early this very hot day by Joe Davis. Hello! I'm sweltering already. Mm. (laughs) It's only 8.24, I note. I know, yeah. (laughs) So, what a great, great week, though, seriously, to be on holiday. You, You did that very well, I must say. Yes, I don't know how that happened, but, um, it's uh, it's going to be nice, I think. I quite need a holiday, really. So yes, quite nice. you did. And, of course, it's always good not to bring any tasks or work with you on holiday, <laughs> yeah, I always feel. I so <laughs> We should have taken a break of a week. We should. Fair. But the problem is, having announced the book yes, club thing, I know. you know, yeah. I didn't feel we could... Anyway, it's fine. It's and having fine not enough. bothered to tell me you're on holiday, but yes. Yes, well, I've, I'd rather forgot. So, <laughs> anyway. um, Listen, I want to say again, thank you for um, last week's episode and thanks to everyone who wrote it. As always, I heard it back and you just, I die inside at the mistakes I made, like saying negative experiences were like Teflon instead of Velcro, things like that. But one, oh, one of the tricks that. I really did miss last week, you know, at the end when you were talking about, you know, your strengths are also your weaknesses and your weaknesses mm. are your strengths and, you, you know, you were linking worry and imagination. And I missed an absolute trick there because I should have talked about the Enneagram, uh, which we have mentioned before on the show. And just what a helpful tool that is for self-understanding of those dynamics, how your yep. your strengths are your weaknesses and your weaknesses are your strengths. And if I was going to talk about the Enneagram, I probably should have mentioned Dave Tomlinson uh, is coming down to do a day here in Worthing, West Worthing, in fact, uh, on the 19th of October. And we're going to be putting tickets up and, and all that sort of thing. So watch his space. Um, but if you're interested in the Enneagram, uh, or indeed Dave Tomlinson, who's a fantastic guy, he often does the pause for thought on with the Zoe Ball show. Used to be the Chris Evans show, didn't it? And he's an author and he's a lovely, lovely man. Very good. We should actually put a general page up on the website about dates shouldn't we because yes we, we can should. now formally announce that oh, next we year we're, we're back at lee abbey we are yes 
Yes, indeed. Yes, so the the second week for the bewildered, really, lovingly mm. called something to do with the mid faith crisis, which I forget. It's how to survive the mid faith crisis. It is. Yes. Thank yes. you. And um, and then I'm also doing another week at the Abbey, which oh, I'll, I'll yeah. mention later on. Another. Yes, because originally, if you recall, the oh. week that the mid faith crisis is occupying was a week that I was booked to speak, and I got bumped. And I got so in, that you could. And do I it. got insanely jealous. And the only way I could manage it was to do another week with Liam. <laughs> well, you are a very good man. So let me say, for those who don't know, uh, Lee Abbey is the most extraordinary retreat centre in the middle of the most stunning countryside. Yes. You can come on this little retreat week, which runs from a Monday evening to a Friday morning, and you don't have to come to a single session of us you can just sit out in the countryside. It's probably a much better idea and you'll have a great You're week. selling it so well. <laughs> but uh, we're going to have fun. Someone did write in and say, oh, you're just recycling the same old gump you did last time. I said, no, we will be doing new things. We might do a bit of crossover, but essentially all new. So not to put us really? under any pressure. <laughs> it's really recycling the same old gump is the subtitle what we of do, the show, isn't it? Isn't I, it? Know. <laughs> I know. Okay, I may have lied a little bit, but, okay, you know, good. it was in love, so it's okay. Uh, right, we should keep this short because you are on yes, holiday. Yes, so, I am on holiday. Uh, can yes. I get on with some feedback? Absolutely. Okay, uh, well, Val wrote a lovely email and I'm going to read it all. She says this. Hi, Hi, Joe. Thank you and Nick for episode 77. So helpful as always. Firstly, thank you for your words at the beginning where you said we're all part of a community that is mid-faith crisis. It's nice to belong. And it says, thank you also for the discussion, which acknowledge and affirm that Christians do have problems with their self-perception. And for these words that helped me enormously, that I am a loved child of God. I totally identify with Nick about how he feels when he's written a book. Being creative involves giving something of yourself and making yourself vulnerable to others. This is where we so need encouragement from others. We need family, both natural and church. When people come up to me and congratulate me on a piece of music I've played or sung, I find it so hard to accept the encouragement and praise, but I have no difficulty in struggling the night before with self-doubt and feelings of inadequacy. Mm. Nick's point about imagination and anxiety being good bedfellows is so apt. I've got a question about the peak end. What happens to our memory of things when an accident or happening has no ending? Take, for instance, a relationship which dwindles but doesn't end. How about the creative side where you start something but don't finish it? How does our brain process these things or is there just a void that we have to return to again and again? Does our brain and our emotions actively seek endings? I think that Christians who deny that they have problems or doubts or anxiety are largely not telling the truth. Didn't Jesus say, physician, heal thyself? The central theme of the gospel is that Jesus came to help us and sent the Holy Spirit to be our helper. Therefore, we must need help all the time. Brutal honesty is not, however, something that I would encourage. It can be very hurtful. I think we've all met the discouragers in our churches. Friendship, making yourself vulnerable so you can help someone with a similar problem is much more helpful. And I think God is at the centre of bringing us together to help one another. The miracle for me is that God always brings someone to encourage me. And it's usually my son. God bless you both and keep up the good work. Nice to hear from Mrs. Page. Yes. It was I nice to hear. that on you, you didn't did. I? You did. Well, she's the new podcast star, quite obviously. She was clear. She was articulate. She was intelligent. She was heavily edited. <laughs> she was, <laughs> she was anyway, but what, a, what an email. Um, Lovely email. Thank you for that. And yeah. what about those experiences that aren't ending and how do you process? I mean, I've got no answers to that. That's a well, really well, I think thing. the fact is, so the point I'm trying to make is, yes, the 
the uh, there are experiences that do end. You know, there are mm. there are sort of discrete experiences, experiences of mm. illness or mm. uh, of loss or something like that, and there is a kind mm. of ending. And how that ending happens affects our memories. Mm. I think the point is to try and remember all as best you can all the other stuff within that experience. Yeah. Yeah. So people, particularly in a relationship, for example, if a relationship ends badly, they think the relationship was bad. Mm. Whereas, you know, for a huge amount of time, it was probably very, very good. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, I think the other... So so I think that it is... That's the thing about the peak end, is that it doesn't give you a correct impression sometimes yeah. of what the story was. Um, so you have to kind of bear that in mind. And... You know, there are other ways of kind of trying to remember that, uh, the, the other bits and pieces. Yeah. yeah. So, it, 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 yeah. The other, I mean, I suppose I was using it to make that point about how we are, we yeah. often arbitrarily set yes, the yeah. end point. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and so the two things are, are both yeah, kind of helpful really for me anyway. They're a really interesting thing. Great. Okay. Uh, from dear podcast listeners Maureen and Colin, who say this. We love Maureen and Colin. Came on mm. the birdwatching trip with us to Minsmere, in fact. And they say this. Hi, Joe and Nick. We think it would be wonderful if you did a mid-faith crisis event in Nottingham. We could even arrange a spot of birdwatching at Attenborough Nature Reserve. Hope you are well. Still talking about our time at Minsmere. There we are. Uh, thank Excellent. you, Maureen and Colin. And then Helen says this. <laughs> There's a bit of a theme here. Hi, Joe. Yes, please do come to Nottingham. All the best people live here. And she says, I'm enjoying reading Nick's book, especially the discussion about the Bible being the inspired word of God. I've heard a few talks about this, but generally the take home message is it's inspired because it says so. I've done yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's been great to read more in depth about that. And any further insight from Nick on the podcast would be welcome. Thanks for all your hard work. Still loving it. So on yeah. that very note, uh, delighted to say, here we go. We're going to start in on uh, on our book club, The Badly Behaved Bible, Introduction and Chapter One, uh, mm. with none other than the author Nick Page. Welcome, Nick. No, thank you. <laughs> so, it's lovely to be here. And, and before we get going, just to say, in the future, if you listen to this podcast at the weekend when it comes out, uh, on the Saturday or on the Sunday, it'd be really helpful for us if you could get your questions in by sort of Tuesday afternoon of that week, because uh, I know it's not a huge turnaround time, but it just enables us to include them. Yeah, in the I suppose we can also pick up on previous questions. Yeah, well. it's not a problem. And and the whole thing will get tremendously repetitive anyway, so don't worry. And we'll get bored, and we'll we'll kill it after a couple of weeks, as we said. I think it's probably. probably. <laughs> I'm already bored. No, yeah, I'm, no, I'm not. Not at all. <laughs> Listen. Um, right. So, I'm just going to read a bit here. Oh, Before we get going, yeah, I know. I just thought I'd spring you something. Go on, then. Okay. And the author of the Badly Behaved Bible, thinking again about the story of Scripture, says this in his introduction. <laughs> we have been told or encouraged to believe things about the Bible that the Bible never claims for itself. The idea that it is without error or contradiction, the impression we're given that God wrote it all and that humans were barely involved, the idea that there's a correct way to read it or that it's wrong to question what the Bible says. These are all things that humans say about the Bible. The Bible never says that kind of stuff about itself. So my oh. interrogation question for the author of this heresy is... Yeah. Why did you write the badly behaved Bible? <laughs> <laughs> well, because of that. Yeah. Because okay, so for for years, I'll, I'll, you know, uh, 
as people know, I've been doing uh, speaking events and retreats and all this kind of stuff. And and because I used to write sort of history kind of stuff about the Bible, so for years people would come up to me with their questions about the Bible. Mm. I was, you know, somebody mm. who apparently knew what he was talking about, bluffing the whole time. But anyway, um, and and people would always sidelock and they'd say, you know, I've got this problem with the Bible. When you delved into it, you know, you, you know, they felt guilty for having a, an issue about it or, you know, they thought that they were doubting or all this kind of stuff. But the problem wasn't with them and the problem wasn't with the Bible. The problem was that they'd been told the wrong things about the Bible in the first place. Mm. So if you're told it's inerrant or without contradiction and you open Genesis and you find two uh, uh, distinctly different uh, creation, creation accounts... Yeah. <laughs> It, it, you you kind of stuff straight away, yeah, and that's just the first few chapters. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I use that image of uh, Casablanca in the yeah, film, you uh, do. Uh, the film Casablanca. Humphrey Bogart plays Rick in Casablanca, and and the policeman says, "Why did you come to Casablanca?" And he said, "I came for my health, for the waters." And the policeman said, well, there are no waters in Casablanca. And he said, I know, I was misinformed. And that's it. We come to the Bible for one thing, and we, be, we don't find it. We blame the Bible. Um, so, you know, uh, that's why I wrote it, really. Very good point. And, and I was struck, again, in the introduction, and we'll move on to chapter one in a second, hmm. by, uh, I think, a statement you, you sort of feel is blindingly obvious, but it is well worth restating. Most people in the history have never in history have never read the Bible. Oh, that's, yeah, you see, that occurred to me while I was writing it. Because again, it's it's what we we're given this norm that actually yeah. reading the Bible and particularly Bible study, yes. you know, is the right way to read the Bible. And you've got to, you know, and so you're given the yeah, impression that throughout that's... history, every every Christian figure got up in the morning with his cup of coffee and his journal with a fish on the cover, yeah. and 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 <laughs> and read the Bible. Yeah. Most of the most Christians in history have not been able to read. <laughs> point number one. That's, that's just that's <laughs> yeah, just historical exactly. fact. Second point is even if they had been able to read, most of them wouldn't have been wouldn't have had any copies of the scriptures. Yeah, uh, because they were rather, they were prohibitively expensive, quite rare. So the act, the idea that reading the Bible is necessary to become a Christian or to be a Christian mm. is actually wrong. <sighs> and now I engaging with it, yeah. yes. Um, you know, yeah. hearing it, learning from the stories, you know, engaging with scripture, learning about Jesus's life, all that. Yes, absolutely. Reading it. No, you can you could encounter it in any number of ways, really. However, having said that, I do think reading it is a really good thing yeah. to do. But I was just kind of making that point. No, but it's really good. And really. if we stop the podcast now, I think for some people that would just be a. I've never really thought about it. That's yeah. that's extraordinary. So <laughs> that is really good. OK, can I read a bit from it? Can I read another bit? Oh, is that, yes, is that too is much? Very, no, don't go on, but it's very odd. This is a very odd experience. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm just going to read the opening, uh, So, and then we'll, we'll talk about it. Okay, so here we go, listeners. Settling comfortable with your cup of cocoa. And <laughs> yeah, let, your journal with a fish on the cup. journal with a fish. And listen to this, the God-breathed book, chapter one. Imagine you had a bound volume in front of you called Britain, which claims to be a one-volume history of the story of our glorious Britannic nation and how we grew to live together in perfect harmony. Eagerly you open it and look at the contents, and there is something weird going on. It seems like someone has just bound together a load of different books. They include a collection of ancient myths about the people who built Stonehenge, focusing on one particular family, an early telephone directory, a book of famous British quotations, a series of short biographies of very minor characters from the period just after the Romans left. A history of the Norman Conquest, written by a man who lived about four centuries later. 
some songs and poetry from the time of Shakespeare, but without any music. A collection of law which mixes up the Magna Carta and the latest health and safety regulations. <laughs> I love that. A dream about the future written by a Polish church leader with English as his second language. A history of the kings and queens of England and Scotland from the 15th century onwards. The same history of kings and queens, only this time ignoring Scotland and cutting out all the bad bits. You would have a problem with the idea that this was one book. It's also very different. But that is what the Bible is like. It's not just one book, but the work of many different authors and editors writing at different times, in different places, in different kinds of writing. Poetry, history, laws, prophecy, proverbs, stories, letters and many more. It's all very different. I love that. I love your creative use of different genres there. Um, But again, making an obvious but critical point. Yeah, well, I think the thing is, the Bibles we have, what we forget, are mostly the the product of uh, a committee. That's how the Bibles are translated. So you have a, you, you you'll have a group of people, mm-hmm. scholars, and they get together, and then one person will be vaguely responsible for one of the books, but then he'll bring it to the translation committee, and they'll sort of mm-hmm. argue about certain points and things. But the the effect of it is, it all sounds the same. It all sounds yeah. exactly identical. Yeah. It's all been flattened, and you, we miss out on the. On all the differences that 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 happen, you know, the the if you really know um, Greek and Hebrew, which I don't particularly well, I know Greek a bit, but you know, if you don't, if you really know, you can see the differences in style between different books of the Bible, and you mm. can understand, and that gives you more impression of the variety. And I think the key point here is the humanity, mm. so different voices, mm. and and we don't get that at all, and therefore again, it adds into this impression that this book sort of dropped entire and complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was delivered by God, and and it, it, it and that's not how it happened. It's all very, very different. Yeah. Some of it, you kind of wonder why on earth is this here? Um, uh, uh, yeah, that's that's really what that, yeah. that's about. It's trying to get that idea Great. of variety. In and there. you make that point really well with that very funny uh, scene from church and oh, yeah. the reader and and that very inappropriate scripture with everyone going, "This is the word of the Lord." Thanks be yeah. to God. Yeah, <laughs> and I just know. Dashed babies' heads. Anyway, I don't want to spoil it. You <laughs> you must read that if you buy the book. Do you buy the book, listeners. Anyway, <laughs> okay. Um, I, I want to move on because you're mm. on holiday and I don't yes. want to, you know, kill, kill this thing. So page 27, uh, you, you, you said this line. I thought this is really interesting. You said after some lengthy discourse, we're not supposed to just read the Bible. We're supposed mm. to inhale it. Mm. Now, we, you were talking about breathing and the breath of God. And we'll talk a bit about um, how what we mean by God inspired in a sec, but we're supposed to inhale it. Mm. That's a really interesting phrase. What what did you mean by we're supposed to inhale it? Well, I think I was experimenting with different drugs <laughs> and, uh, and, and Bible paper. Well, that's strong stuff. No, um, so it's to do with the idea of inspiration. Yeah. And the word inspiration. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what you were taught, because you've been, to, unlike me, mm. you've been to proper theology yeah. school yeah, but um i you know that word is a greek word um mm. that paul uses he says all scripture is god breathed theopneustos mm. and uh the word panu it means uh air it's to do with mm. air it's to do I'm with, a panu. with how breathing. do you do sorry thank you very good yeah uh you are utter panu and uh <laughs> you know it, it it's to do with that so god breathed um, and it doesn't say anything more than that. He doesn't unpack it really in any way. He just says all scriptures God breathed. Hmm. 
And then you find all these translations that add bits in to try and explain how that works. Interesting. Um, yeah. So some say, you know, is breathed out by God. Well, yeah. it doesn't, out's not in there. Doesn't, we don't know what direction it is. Or given by God. Well, no, there's, the word given is not in there. There's all kinds of other... In other words, they're trying to fit it in with their idea yeah. of what this thing is. To me, if you hear the word God breathed and you're, you're um, a Jew in the first century, you think of God bringing things to life. Yeah. So you think of Adam. Yes, where yeah. God breathes his his life into Adam's nostrils, yeah. or you think of Ezekiel and the and the, dry, the dry bones, bones and yeah. God breathes them into life, yeah. and that's my fundamental argument about how inspiration works, which inspiration comes from that word, uh, yeah. God breathe. Um, is is that God brings this thing to life? The breath of God uh, comes through this book, and so it's very human creation. You yeah. know, it has all those different styles, all those different things, but God somehow breathes it to life. That's what makes yeah. the Bible different. You know, that's what makes it life-changing. Yeah. It's not that yeah. it's kind of, you know, dictated by him. Yeah. It's not theographos. It's not written by God. It's that actually somehow this group of writings, he brings them to life in people's yeah. lives. Um, I use the analogy of the temple in the book. So the yeah. temple, when um, in the story of the building of the temple, Solomon builds this temple. It's a very, very human construct. You know, it, his yeah. palace is about six times bigger. The temple was built using forced labor and extreme yeah. taxation. It, you yeah. know, it, it led to the break of the kingdom. He underpaid his supplier at yeah. one point. You know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. It's, all, it's a very human thing. And yet somehow on the first night, God shows up. Yes. God yeah. uses it. Yeah, God should never do that. And so, yeah. well, I think, isn't it great that he does this? God yeah, keeps yeah, yeah, showing yeah. up in the things that we construct to hold him, which cannot possibly hold him. Yeah. And humans always construct things to hold God. They yeah. construct denominations and church services and cathedrals and yeah. and Bibles. Yes. And and yet God shows up. God, so that's God, what that's... God, so so God you breathe in the Bible. despite us, really. I mean, despite our fallenness and our humanity and, our, you know, our, our sort of uh, immature concepts of her... She still well, I, shows yeah. up. <laughs> well, she does, and I think in collaboration. I think what yeah. I learned writing the book, or what it encouraged me to think about, is just the, the way which God always seems to collaborate yeah. with people. And that's a lovely um, thought, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I so people often get really hung up between, you know, in their thoughts, and, and in particularly in reading the Bible. Did I think that, or was God saying that? Well, maybe it's just a bit of both. Mm. I mean, maybe it's it's like um, that email said, you know, maybe it's about us being helped. But I, I, I really like this idea of, about inhaling it rather than just mm. reading it. And for me, it, it took me to two moments in my life after my father died, which was, a, you know, a very difficult and traumatic time, mm. not least because of the manner of his death at the hands of the hospital, blah, 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 blah. And I found I just couldn't read scripture. I don't know why, but it was like a block. But I held on to Psalm 139 and I, I didn't quite memorise it. It's quite it's a bit too long for me to memorise. But that was the only bit I read for a while. Yeah. And I felt like, yeah, that there was something about that that wasn't just... Re I was really allowing this to get inside yeah. me yeah. and teach me something about humanity and the nature of life and death. And it was really powerful. And then the other time was when I intentionally uh, just took one verse and sat with it for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I think right. we talked about this before, Colossians 3, 12. And just allowed myself to focus mm. on what humility and compassion and gentleness and, uh, you know, really looked like in my life. And I tried to dissect those words 
and you know I did memorize that scripture I could probably have a go at it but I'm not going to embarrass myself but you know and I got so much more from that and that felt like a different experience to reading it felt like somehow it was getting this stuff inside of me rather yes, than just yes. allowing my eyes to glaze over and I've certainly read through the bible in a year yeah and I, I have to be honest and say all it did was make me a boastful idiot you know it, it you yes know, it, you know yes. made me feel a bit proud it had no transformative effect it was a slog i don't you yes. know I, I didn't even remember the words oh. straight after i'd read them. no and it just made me a pain in the neck you know probably slightly more arrogant than normal <laughs> i don't know why we've turned the bible bible reading into an extreme sport why are you doing that yeah. so when you did that colossians thing oh man did you do like a you know what point did you do like a bible study on it did you sort of delve into the grammar or did you just sit and think did you no, just let it work no, on you i didn't do a bible study on it i i just repeated it over and over again yeah, so okay. so in in actual life you know so so when i'm with irritating people for example what does it mean to show gentleness and com- compassion and humility hmm and what's it mean to do that to my family? And you know, mm. I did I did a word study, not a Bible study, yeah. on each of the the words in in that, so that I really tried to internalise them and make them mm. more a, a greater part of my life. Patience, for example, I was a notoriously impatient person. I wouldn't want to describe myself as a patient person now, but I'm told that I am more patient, and I believe that I am. So, so it it. It transformed in a way that just reading didn't. Yes. Long way to go. <laughs> I think that's really what I'm trying to get to in the heart of this is is it is to is to reposition the Bible as an experiential thing. Yeah. And not as a kind of academic thing that you dissect. Yeah. And then hope hope that it'll have some kind of yeah, emotional. Yeah, you talked impact. about exegesis to death or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. you know it's my that. war against Bible study now. Yeah. I just suddenly realised that the and I've been part of that. You know, I've been mm, preaching yeah, that yeah, kind me of stuff too. and teaching it. Mm. I've taught exegesis. I've taught it to people. Mm. I've said this is the proper way, mm. and I do think it has a lot of strength. So, by exegesis, it's a, a Greek word means to, to draw out of, and it's that idea that we we first find out what the text originally meant, mm. and you use a lot of grammatical and historical tools to do mm. that, and then you apply it. Mm. The problem is, by its very nature, it's academic because mm. you you need those kind of tools yeah, in exactly. which to do that. And the second thing, I, I I think it just kills the text so often. So I yeah. talked about E.B. White said, you can analyse comedy, but it's like dissecting a frog. Along the way, the frog dies. Yeah, and, exactly. you know, yeah, exactly. I, I do think I've sat in quite a lot of uh, Bible studies and sermons where yeah. well, essentially I end up looking at a dead frog, basically. <laughs> it's yeah. not... So you know, I, I, I it's, I'm not. It's all a balance. I'm not trying to. I'm not against Very those good. tools. I think they're really useful, no. and I use them actually throughout the book. Yeah. But what you're describing—that's yeah. what—that's yeah. what yeah, makes sure. the Bible special. Sure. So, um, I, well, well let, let's finish with this question, um, which we we looked at this in Soul Place, just this first chapter, um, right. last week, and um, and and everyone loved that, you know, especially that idea that you know all Christians have not had the bible and haven't read the bible you know throughout Mm. history Mm. so you did this marvelous sort of job earlier (laughs) in the chapter of dismantling the idea of the quiet time but then you come right back in a sort of slightly grumpy rant about tablets and things um, (laughs) (laughs) to, to, to saying actually 
now go read it. So, we, you know, have you backtracked? Right. Have you, is it like you can't quite let go of the idea or was there a very deliberate arc in what you were saying? One, um, just to dismantle it and then two, to rebuild. What was going on? No, it's a great question. I think um, uh, you have to... Right, so there's two things going on here. Firstly, to say... To say that uh, throughout history not everybody has read the Bible because they couldn't read is just a historical truth and it puts it in perspective. Yeah. But reading is a good thing. Yeah. Now, we can read, hmm. so I think we should read it. Yeah. You know, all I'm trying to do is get it back in perspective. Uh, if you don't choose to read if you choose to encounter it a different way, that's up to you. And I do talk in the book, uh, I'm not sure where it is, about audio Bibles, things like that, listening yeah. to it. Yeah. So what I'm absolutely passionate about is that people should engage with yeah. Scripture. They should they yeah. they should um, think it like you did with that verse, yeah. you know they could do that if they don't want to read yeah. a long bit, um, yeah. and I then talking that for me one of the most helpful ways is to journal, yeah, and I do think that is helpful. So although I mock it, you know, slightly as well, um, I yeah. find that useful, and yeah. that's partly because it's it it helps me to sort of think and concentrate. What I was talking about with the tablets thing, yeah, is. Yeah, I was slightly yeah. well, tongue-in-cheek. I was tongue-in-cheek <laughs> there. But but actually, I was also thinking about the problem is when we read something or when we engage with it, we've got to give it our attention. And yeah. mostly what our electronic devices do is distract us away from it. So the same... Yeah, that's... Book, the, yeah, you know, yeah. if you have it on your iPad, the tendency, frankly, is to... For me, so why it doesn't work for me, the tendency is for me that I look at it on my iPad and then a minute later I find myself, I'm, you know, looking at Instagram. Distracted by a notification, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, um, Nick, that, that's been fantastic, thanks. And we could talk forever, but we mustn't. But, uh, so, here's, here's a, a few ways forward for people. One, if you are one of those people who just, you know, have given up on the Bible or don't read it for whatever reasons, uh, here's something to try. Go pick up your bible find colossians 3 uh, verse 12 which you'll find reasonably near the back and um and think about this verse therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience and if you don't read any other Bible passages for the rest of the year, just dwell on that one. Try and think about it every day. What would that mean? What do each of those five words mean? What would it look like in your life if you were genuinely to clothe yourselves with them and embrace those qualities? Would it make you a better person or a worse person? Would it make the world a better place or a worse place? Would you cope with the Bojo leadership? Better or worse <laughs> if you embrace those qualities? <laughs> well done bojo or you could just read lamentation yes, just go indeed. in that one. <laughs> now and i think one, that's a great idea one of the things that i find helpful is sometimes is yeah. to put my name yeah. in there and so it's therefore as nick chosen and dearly loved. rather than god's chosen yeah. people yeah great yeah idea. that's kind of personalized yeah. so yeah right well that's a great idea well uh nick thank you for being here i've been with nick page author of the badly behaved oh. bible no we're going to do this every week i'm going to do the introductions this, uh, from now on this has already got very annoying <laughs> and do do write in with your comments questions even if you just want to give nick a really hard time i would love that um but <laughs> send your emails to joe at midfaithcrisis.org we'd love to hear from you that'd be great so uncomfortable <laughs> good yes yes thank you very much for listening we'll be back um, next week. He will indeed. See you now. <laughs>